Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Welcome back to Woke and Wired. This week's episode is so potent. I had shivers most of the time while I was recording it, and the teachings and the ideas shared in it are just so profound that I know beyond the word level, there's an energetic component and energetic transmission behind what happens in this week's show. So I invite you to bring your presence to be open-minded because this week's guest is Vivian Villela, who is the co-founder of the Bill Foundation and Aniwa Gathering. She's a spiritual healer, philanthropist, and activist. And Aniwa Gathering is a gathering of wisdom keepers that's going to happen in Massachusetts, June 5th to the 9th, 2019, if you are listening before it happens and this speaks to you, definitely consider joining. It's this interactive journey where 40 indigenous leaders from all over the world are coming together to lead ceremonies to exchange knowledge, culture, art, rituals, workshops, and offer healing to the participants. Me and my fiance Eric are going and just so excited to be there, especially after this conversation. Vivian's story is a fascinating one. She is from Brazil and she was a very successful model and an actress, but something just wasn't feeling right. And that brought her to the forests in Brazil, where she ended up studying indigenous wisdom with the elders. She will share more of her story in the show, but she is really such a bridge of bringing together ancient indigenous wisdom and modern technology. And that's exactly what the mission of her foundation is and of the Aniwa gathering as well. She is going to share some specific rituals that she does to stay connected to the spirit, even when you are in the city. And yeah, I don't want to give away too much. One more thing that I will say is that one of the things that happened during this podcast is one of the fastest manifestations that I've ever had in my life because we were talking about Benki Bianco, one of the indigenous leaders and the indigenous director of the Aniwa gathering. And as I was asking her the question, I wonder what Benki thinks about this and that. He comes into the room and shares his thoughts. It was one of those mind-blowing, mind-boggling moments where thoughts become real right away. So enjoy this conversation. And if you are called to come and join the Aniwa gathering, you can find more information about it. Aniwa, A-N-I-W-A dot C-O. And you can use the code Ksenia10, K-S-E-N-I-A 10, to get 10% off your ticket for the 2019 gathering. I would love to hear your takeaways, comments, insights, from this conversation, please share them on Instagram and tag at WokenWired and find all the show notes below or on WokenWired.com. And if you're not yet subscribed, do subscribe to the show and please take a moment to leave a rating and a review on the iTunes app as it really helps reach more people and create a bigger impact. Hi, Vivian. Good morning. Good morning, Senia. Where are you these days? I am in New York. Okay, we're in the same lands. So the traditional way to start the podcast is that I am going to read your Instagram bio and you're going to tell me what it is that you actually do. Does that sound good? Yeah. So Vivian Villela, did I say that right? Yes. There's a unicorn emoji, rainbow emoji, Aniwa, the prayer emoji, star, I, the Boa Foundation, Fire, and Snake. And if you guys want to follow along and find Vivian on Instagram, I'm going to link to all of it in the show notes. But in the meantime, Vivian, can you please explain to us all the emojis? Yes, absolutely. So Aniwa is my company. I don't know if I should call it like that. It's not really a company, but we have a, a gathering bringing together 40 indigenous leaders from cultures all over the world 
to share their sacred ceremonies, their prayers, rituals. And the BOA Foundation is our foundation, which we raise money for projects to implement water projects, schools, land buyback, basic infrastructure, eco-solutions in indigenous villages all over the world. So the unicorn represents magic because these communities are simply filled with magic everywhere. Rainbow is all about the Rainbow Warriors prophecy, which is a prophecy to unite all peoples of the world to listen to the elders and bring balance back to the world. Prayer hand, yes, all the ancient rituals are made of prayers. Star, cosmic connection, eye, the third eye, awakening to our connection to our spirituality. The fire is, we say the fire is the only shaman that exists in this universe, is the most ancient spirit here, and is the spirit of the indigenous people listen to the most for guidance, for knowledge, for messages. And the snake is also a very sacred spirit, which has many different qualities, one being of transformation. So this is, to me, the prime example of bridging ancient indigenous wisdom with modern technology. Instagram is such a big part of all our lives these days. And it's funny how with a few emojis, you can capture so many things that are your values and that you're committed to in the world. Absolutely. I think one image speaks louder than a thousand words sometimes. So what exactly does it mean to you bridging ancient indigenous wisdom with modern technology? Well, for me, a lot of people in the city don't relate to the ways that indigenous people live. For instance, for me, I feel at home when I go there and I'm in a hut with absolutely nothing inside and totally connected with nature and practicing their rituals and their initiations, which sometimes are are very physically uncomfortable. I feel comfortable there, but many people don't. So it's about taking their principles and adapting them to use them in the city, in modern society. So many people have an idea that, oh, if I become spiritual, I'm going to become a hippie. I'm going to want to quit my job in the city. So it's not exactly that. It's bringing that spiritual connection and merging it with our modern ways and also using all the technology that we have developed to implement in their communities and help them have a better quality of life as well. And also using media to spread awareness, to share their message and learning to live in harmony with the earth without living in the city, simply being more mindful of what we consume. Have you always felt comfortable living in those primal, if I can say primal conditions in a hut with nothing in there? Or did you develop that with your spiritual practice? I developed that. No, I used to be a little bit of a princess back in the day. <laughs> no, I grew up in, you know, in a lot of comfort and I was very attached to, to material things back in the day I used to be a model and I used to just only buy very expensive clothes and shoes and all of that kind of stuff but the more I dove into my spiritual path and the more I felt the calling to work with them experiencing the indigenous ways completely changed my life you know I was also very scared of insects of spiders and all that kind of stuff nowadays nothing phases me anymore I feel the most comfortable I've ever felt when I'm in the middle of the Amazon, surrounded by spiders, snakes, and and just because finding that true connection where everything is alive, where all the plants are speaking to us, merging into one with nature, and, and learning that all of the other things, sometimes we're swapping them, or we are filling in the gap inside, looking for so many external things, when truly all we need is nature connection, spiritual connection, community. Uh, first of all, this conversation could not be more timely for me personally, because me and my fiance, who you're going to meet at Anya, we're both coming. We are about to leave Brooklyn, a very beautiful apartment, and move into a tiny cabin in nature. And we spent our first night there this past weekend. And I woke up in the middle of the night from thunder. and My whole heart was just, I felt like it froze for a second. I was so scared. All the rain sounds, all the animal sounds. And At the same time, I know that this calling to be in nature is stronger than anything, and we are going to find ways to adapt. 
but hearing your story actually is very reassuring for me. Wow, that's very brave and amazing that you guys are doing that. I mean, we have a real toilet, you know, there's, we have, we have electricity. <laughs> it's not a hut, but it's still, it's very much in nature. Yeah, but there's nothing better, you know, because well, it's been scientifically proven that walking around barefoot on grass releases stress and actually activates meridians in our bodies and a lot of different channels, you know, and, and the same, you know, trees it has been proven by people have written books, people have been healed from cancer by trees and many other diseases, you know, and so that, that connection with the elements, the elements give us life and it, it boosts us in a way that it's, you know, you can't compare and living in a city or living amongst uh, nature. Right. We actually did some, I made us coffee while we were there and we went earthing. We have 12 acres. So we walked all over the property barefoot and the grass is really tall there. And I posted a video of it on Instagram and I got so many messages of people saying, there's ticks, watch out for ticks. You got to use an essential oil. <laughs> and immediately I got freaked out. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I did pick up ticks? So it's like, for me, it's being in between this freaking out fear and just pure love, you know, being called to be one with earth. So I want to hear your story. How did you go from the world of luxury things and modeling to a hut? <laughs> well, for me... My journey started with first with healing. It was a very, very gifted medium I came across. Well, first it all began with me feeling extremely unfulfilled. You no, know, my life got to a point that I had everything material. I had I was a successful model. I had everything one could want in this 3D world. And I still felt empty. I still felt I was always searching. There was something lacking inside of myself and I could never be totally fulfilled. Also, I couldn't be alone. I always needed to be surrounded by people. And where were you living at the time? In London, in the UK. And then I started to tap in to this spiritual world. And it all started with a healing session. And the next thing I knew, I was doing a vision quest. So that was very, very, very hard to me. Can you explain to everyone what Vision Quest is? Yes. Vision Quest is a rite of passage done by Native American tribes and also in Australia it's called Walkabout. There are different tribes that do it in, in different formats, but it basically consists of being four days in nature on top of a mountain, sitting there praying without water or food. And so is to search for a vision of our purpose in life and to establish the connection with the elements, with the creator. In the Lakota culture, for instance, it's called humblecha, which means to cry. And traditionally, it was mainly designed for men because they say that women have a direct connection to the creator already because women give life. But men, they have to break their walls down. They have to break themselves down to cry, to be heard by the creator. And it's through this physical offering, you know, to having you know, is offering ourselves to spirit in that way to receive the messages. And so for me, that vision quest really changed my life in so many ways. And this is the first time I realized how little I needed to live and how happy I could be with absolutely nothing. I mean, this first vision quest was the, it was the hardest four days of my life. It was very uncomfortable. Also, I realized how much thought I had, how much noise I had in my mind, which was completely oblivious to. However, I felt my true calling in life in that moment. And I knew there was no way back. I knew from there I, I, need, I needed to deepen my studies. And the more I did, the less I needed in the material world. At that time, your true calling, what did it feel like? It was, or it is. Uh, work with, with healing, with spirituality, to be connected to the earth and be in service of the earth. And how did you find people who guided you through this? Did you just show up at the jungle and said, I'm looking to be spiritually healed? Or did someone recommend it? How does one who is drawn to this work, besides coming to Anua and experiencing it, how do you think people can find their guides, their masters, their shamans and healers? 
Well, you know, we all have millions of spirits wanting to help us, but they can't interfere in our lives if we don't ask. So it's truly communicating to the universe. No, I was really unfulfilled and I kept asking myself, where is my life going? Where, you know, why I was acting at the time as well. And I was like, I love acting, but I don't feel fulfilled in this business. What do I have to do? I started asking myself questions. And then the first healer was put in, in my path. And then from that healer, I learned, I was shown connection to my guides, to my angels. And then I started communicating with them. And then like that, everything started to open just by me putting the message out there, what it was that I was looking for. And then everything I was looking for was looking for me as well. <laughs> it basically is like that. We need to ask, no? And the universe will always put all the right people in our paths. But we need to allow and we need to surrender because if we live in fear, if we are in a job which we hate just for money, if we are in a relationship that we are not happy in, just for comfort. All of these things block us from finding our path. You know? Sometimes the universe is trying to show us in so many different ways and we don't want to listen. Right. Yeah, it's one thing hearing it, first surrendering, then hearing it, and then actually taking action on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we need to change, we need to, if we want change, if we are unhappy, unfulfilled, we need to work for it as well. No, everything in life requires work. Nobody becomes a master of anything without studying or without giving themselves the time and effort. So what did you do after this vision quest? You got so clear on the life you were living was not what you were meant to do. You got clear on your purpose and calling. You came back into the Western world. And what do you do? Burn all your designer clothes? <laughs> well, I became a vegan and I gave them all away or so all my Chanel bags and stuff I sold and I stopped wearing leather and it was a big transition. Now I'm not vegan anymore, but I remain not eating meat. And I just, I went through a phase where I became really dogmatic and then I found that that was also Don't not the way. That <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes we find something and then we start judging everybody else that is not doing that. And then I was like, okay, that's not the way. We can't judge someone that, is, that likes to sin differently mm -hmm. than we do because we are all doing mm -hmm. something. Something wrong everybody's doing. No, we're living in the city. So yeah, I just uh, started to... I'm a really passionate person in everything I do. And whatever I do, I dive in head first. And that's what I did. It really became really fast. You know, my path started to open really, really fast. And I started going from initiation to initiation. And every time I went back to London, I felt I was flying so high. And every time I stepped back in the city, my wings were clipped. I started to feel I would go, I would study, and then I would expand so much. And then I would come back and I would contract again there. So I went through this period of expanding and contracting for a while. And then it got to a point that it was pretty clear that I couldn't be in that city anymore. And it was when I started working with this full time. It was when I, I met the first indigenous leader I started working with in a, in a plant medicine festival in Brazil. It was in the same place where I met my husband and my business partner. And from that day onwards, it totally took over my life. And I was really asked to let go of everything else. There was no more space to cut, to dip in and out. I had to totally let go into this path. And so I went through a phase where I had zero money where there were a few challenges, but it just took full trust. And then everything opened. It was very, very beautiful. So I would love to dive more into this because it's one thing to surrender to your calling, give yourself fully to studying with healers and shamans and connect to those ancient ways. But it's a different thing to also at the same time find ways to make money and to exist in the modern Western world at the same time. So how do you make it happen? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, this was my calling. No? My calling was totally to be a healer, to go study, to go live in the jungle back and forth. Some people's calling is not that. Some people's calling is to live in the city and still be spiritually connected. No? So it really depends on what each person's mission is. But for me, the way it worked was um, I had a phase of my life where I used to party a lot. So I ended up meeting a lot of um, DJs 
and I had a, a night in London in my best friend's club. And so after I quit everything, I still did bookings for these DJs, long distance bookings, and then I got paid a fee. This is at the beginning how I, I managed. It was always like magically how things appeared. And then, you know, I sold some indigenous art here and there. So at the beginning, until I finished my studies, I mean, I'm still studying, but until I got to a place where I started doing retreats, that's how I survived. Nowadays, we do retreats with these indigenous leaders throughout the entire year in different places. And so this is how I survive today. (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate you sharing that because to me, it's always such an interesting question. And a lot of people listening to the podcast are healers or coaches, people really making a positive difference in the world, whether that's through their product or service. And to me, it breaks my heart when I see healers not having the confidence and the tools to put a price tag on their services, to really go out there and know that, yes, you can live a comfortable life and make money and also make a positive difference. So it's always very reassuring to hear stories where, yes, you can actually fully surrender to your spiritual calling and at the same time not have to worry about money. Yeah, there is, you know, there is a fine line there. I think a lot of healers believe that they have to be poor forever to be a good healer and others are selling the sacred. So there is a really fine line in between both. And for me, the total balance is, you know, in all our retreats, we always have space for people who can afford it. We always have scholarships, you know, in my personal healing work, I've done, you know, so many sessions for people for free who couldn't afford and the people who can afford then they they also give an energy exchange for the work they're receiving i see a lot of people charging a lot of money to serve for instance plant medicines and the majority of these people doing that in the west haven't even had the proper training to do so and so you know a lot of that is out of balance but also you know, also people, healers need money to be able to survive. The indigenous people need money to be able to survive nowadays. You know, they need to charge for their work because we are not in a time where we can just exchange it for a chicken and they can live, you know, back in the day, sure, in the reservations, the medicine men would never charge because people could just come and give them food and that was enough for them to survive. But, you know, we are living in modern times, so we need to find balance in being aligned knowing that this work is to help the greater good in the first place. And it should always be available for the ones that cannot afford. And the ones that can afford should most definitely pay for it because a doctor is much more expensive and a good healer will do a much better job than a doctor (laughs) (laughs) or a psychologist. (laughs) Any doctors out there, we love you too. Especially doctors (laughs) who are open to alternative ways because the combination sometimes can be extremely powerful. Absolutely, absolutely. Not saying anything about bad about Western medicine is mainly talking about psychologists and mm. doctors prescribing antidepressants and a myriad of pills, which one in three Americans take. For me, that's very sad and heartbreaking when the majority of the time that those are simply energetic imbalances. So what you were talking about, you know, that fine line, the balance between not having to be poor to be a healer, but at the same time, making money and not selling the sacred. This is all so new because we as a consciousness, as a planet, we're coming back to those ancient ways so rapidly. So many people are waking up. I got shivers as I was saying that. Wow. So where's the, to you, from your experience, having worked with so many indigenous leaders, where is that fine line between not selling the sacred and yet, you know, being comfortable? It's that, but I said, always making space for people in need, you know, putting service in, in first place. And also I see this path is not an easy path. You know, many people say they want to be healers or many people call themselves healers, but truly to be a true healer, one needs to dedicate their entire lives to it. You know, it's not a side job. It requires a lot, a lot, a lot of studies, years of studies and commitment full commitment, full devotion, and someone needs to be in full unconditional love, you know, to be ready to help anybody. May this person be a murderer, a rapist, whatever type of person that society considers, you know, monsters or or this or that. A true healer is someone that will be in service to all of those people and will always have time 
for people in need, you know, no matter how tired, no matter how busy, no matter how this or that. Yes. So you are someone who spent years and years studying in the Amazon, going back and forth and then spending a significant amount of time there, right? Yes. And can you give us a glimpse of what it is? You know, how, what were the studies when you started? What were some things that were maybe shocking or awakening? And how does this path look like? Or is it different for everyone? It's totally different for everyone. But one thing that is true for everyone, even for the people, you know, I know spiritual leaders, for instance, my teacher, Benki Pianco, in his culture, he's considered an antaviari, which means he's a direct messenger of God. He's a prophet. When he was born, the entire tribe of uh, 130,000 people, both in Brazil and Peru, were notified. This boy was born with supernatural gifts, and he's been healing people since he was 10 years old. And even though, you know, his grandfather was the biggest legend that ever existed in his culture, and even still, he studied his entire life to be able to serve ayahuasca, to be able to heal people, to be able to draw in the energies of the universe to heal someone. He has healed multiple people from cancer. So I think, you know, no matter what we bring from past lives, from lineage, no matter how, how many spiritual gifts we have, I think cleansing ourselves is the number one most important thing, which comes through the studies, you know, the, the different types of training and initiations that exist in different modalities of healing and maintaining our vessels and our channels clear, you know, working, letting go of our emotional baggage, working in our hearts, letting go of anger, letting go of ego, acquiring total humility. Those are the basis for, for anybody that wants to work in the healing arts, I think, is first we need to heal ourselves to then be able to, to help somebody else heal. Yes, yes, to all of that. And I want to know, you're now in New York City. How, what are some of the practices that you personally do when you are in a city that you could share that perhaps other people could try on? Absolutely. First, prayer every day. When I wake up, when I go to bed, my prayer begins with gratitude. Always, always, always gratitude to the four directions of the universe, the guardians of the universe, to Great Spirit, the Creator, to the guardians of each land where I'm at. I greet them, I honor them, giving thanks for one more day of life, for one more experience, for having two legs and two arms, and for everything I have, for having a, a bed to sleep in. And then I ask for the things I want help with, you know, and I go to the park as well, sit by the trees, let go. I like to imagining myself when I don't have a park. I imagine myself under a waterfall of pure light coming from source and cleansing my energy field, cleansing my spiritual body. So I'm always praying for the water. Whenever I drink water, giving gratitude for the water. Whenever I shower, I ask the water to cleanse me. When it's windy, I ask the wind to cleanse me as well to take my prayers up to the creator. Always connecting, you no, know, always connecting. When I meditate, I connect when, from my crown chakra, I connect to the center of the universe. And from my root chakra, I connect to the center of the earth and draw in energy from up and, from, and down. I'm always visualizing the things I want to manifest in my life with a lot of gratitude. Also, practices, whenever I feel something that is not good for me, that is not a good feeling, I trace it and I see where, where that takes me to in my body. If it takes me to a memory, if it takes me to a contraction. And then by following that, I observe if it's a situation, if it's a memory, if it's something that happened to me, I let that go either by forgiving, by acknowledging what wounds is triggering inside of me, what, when it started, and then actively working to release that. I am definitely going to try out the practice of tracing back in those moments when I feel triggered and emotionally charged, allowing myself to go back and see, you know, where's this coming from? Because I know that this is not my true being. So thank you for sharing all of these powerful tools, simple, but extremely powerful tools. 
I mean, I have an exercise if you want, I can share. I don't know how we are talking about <laughs> So whenever we suffer a trauma, our inner child freezes at that age. So imagine maybe when I was five years old, I saw my mom and my dad having a really bad fight. And that made me feel unsafe. That made me contract. So I go back as myself today, and I go back to Vivian at five years old, and I ask her, I tell her, I'm coming to help her. What does she need? And then she will tell me, I need to feel safe. I need to feel loved. So I'm going to give her those qualities. I'm going to hug her. And then once I've done that, I'll put her in front of my parents. And I will allow her to say everything that she's feeling. All the disappointment, anger, whatever it may be. She can shout at them if she feels like it. Until I feel a release in my chest. Like, ah, oh, it moved the energy that was there stagnant. And then the next the next phase, it's forgiveness. So understanding my parents or whoever it is that hurt me didn't do that because it was something against me personally. They did that because of the conditioning they had. Maybe they never had love when they were little. Maybe they've be, they were beaten up. And so I see them as little hurt children. And I, and I understand why they are acting like that. And I forgive them. And so the, the next phase is unconditional love. So whoever it may be, I acknowledge them as father, mother, brother, or sister. And I truly find that unconditional love, which at the end, we're all born here to teach each other lessons to, for our spirits to grow. So I thank that person for doing that so my spirit can grow. And I hug them. I say I love them. And then I see them disappearing into the darkness. And that exercise is a super powerful exercise to access our subconscious. And all the trauma that has been sitting there, the root of the traumas that have been sitting there our entire lives, when we do that, we allow our inner child to grow. So powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I teach a program called the Conscious Social Media Program. And it's all about getting clear on your message and clearing out anything that's in your way to be self-expressed in the world using social media as a tool. And one of the modules is all about this inner child work. And I've seen just such profound transformations happen in people and, you know, up to pivoting careers because of just going back to your child and embracing it. And this exercise that you shared is just takes it all to the next level. So thank you. Absolutely. It's really profound because everyone sees us the way we are seeing ourselves in our subconscious. And many times we don't even know. And so the manifestation practice, for instance, we say we need to visualize. But if our subconscious is saying, oh, you're not worth it. Oh, you can't do it. Then that visualization doesn't work because there's all this stuff in our subconscious which doesn't believe it. So when, whenever we do these exercises, we clear that stuff away so we can truly believe we can, and then we can manifest. So was Aniwa a manifestation of your subconscious? No, Aniwa was actually a mission I was given, <laughs> which I did not pray for. It was really, it was really incredible. Aniwa, the idea of doing it came out as I was speaking to someone who had supported our foundation and he was asking me for advice to do a project for himself and uh, and then the idea came through and I started speaking with so much passion that somehow he got sucked in and he was like wow and so we started doing that together and then he realized that that actually had nothing to do with what he does and he was so generous and he just donated all the money to our foundation and said you know what you do it yourself it's more <laughs> of your type of thing wow so <laughs> For anyone who hasn't yet heard about Aniwa, which I've been sharing about on Instagram, you guys may have already seen, can you tell us what it is and who it is for and what people can expect to experience there? Absolutely. People can expect a total life transformation. Incredible deep healing. Aniwa is a collective of 40 of the world's most powerful and respected indigenous leaders who are truly walking their talk, who are truly walking their prayer, who have embodied total unconditional love and who teach from that place. And so these leaders, they're able to pass an energetic transmission to people. So they open, it's a four and a half day event where at the beginning they open a portal, they invite all of their spirit guides 
from all these different cultures, 22 different tribes from around the world. And so we experience all of their traditional ceremonies, ancient rituals, talks. There's a lot of healing that takes place. We have tobacco ceremonies, cacao ceremonies, and just different fire ceremonies. And they also teach participants on how to connect to the elements. So tools that we can bring back to the city of how, you know, how to light a candle and receive the messages from the fire or how to interact with, with the trees in the park. Different tools that are so simple. Also how to make offerings and develop a, a, a deeper connection with nature. It's really beautiful, really transformative. A lot of people write back to us saying it changed their perspective in life, changed their relationships, it changed everything for them. It's so powerful. if anything to you listening speaks to you, then you still can join us if you're listening before June 5th, 2019. It's happening June 5th to the 9th, and it's two and a half hours from New York. And you can use the code Xenia, my name, K-S-E-N-I-A, to get a nice discount too. So I will be there. Vivian, you'll be there. Eric will be there. Join us. Yes, beautiful. And there we, they also offer private healings. So there are elders that can read someone's entire life in a divination. There is a very incredible, gifted Dogon prophet. He throws his shells and he tells you everything about your ancestors, about the spirits your ancestors used to worship, about sometimes some people cannot wear certain colors because it doesn't agree with their spirit. They, they tell you about what you're meant to do here. The Mayan elders can read someone's entire life in a tobacco cigar. And as the tobacco burns, they tell you, they tell you even names of people. It's incredible. These people are magical. There is another elder from the Ashaninka that can see inside people's bodies like an x-ray. Sometimes people come with diseases that no doctors can explain. And he goes like, okay, here you have a nerve pinching, pulling a muscle that is interfering in this channel and that. The man never studied anatomy and he knows everything about the body. And then he gives the people a plant recipe. You know, you drink a guava leaf tea for three months and you're going to be healed from something the doctors told you there was no cure it's really incredible yeah what's the name of this healer he's Benki Pianco from the Ocean Inc yeah yeah it's actually really crazy but in the past couple of months Benki has come into my life into my awareness in several ways I met Samira one of the women who studies with him a couple of weeks ago she yeah she works with us she's here <laughs> oh amazing I also just completed a cacao ceremony training with Florencia, who studies with Nana Marina, another elder who's coming. So it's just like in so many ways, this is coming to my awareness, telling me to go there. And I'm excited to experience it. I'm also a little scared because the time that Nana Marina gave me a reading, a tobacco reading when I visited her house in Guatemala, it was intense. Like you really, like you said, you got to be prepared <laughs> it's not just, you know, oh, let's have fun and do an ecstatic dance. It's deep, deep work. It's very deep, but, you know, fear, our society really infuses us with so much fear, which is not real. You know, fear is simply a lack of presence. So if we open our hearts, it's actually, it's so beautiful to receive. Sometimes people have a difficult time and they're not willing to look and they're not willing to listen because, oh my God, it's too many things I have to change in my life. But actually, just give ourselves patience, time. It's so it's so magical what this, mm. these elders can do for and us. And how in the world do you gather these people? So it's 40 of the world's most respected indigenous leader from, leaders from 22 tribes. How did you find them and how are they open to being together? Well, I... As I said, I spent uh, many years traveling around and then some elders speak of other elders and then I go meet them. And like that, some elders refer other elders and life just uh, just brought them together to, to, to mm. my path one by one. It was really mm. incredible, really, really incredible. And it's also because I'm actively studying and doing the work. And so they trust, you know, it's a, it's a very ancient prophecy, this prophecy of the rainbow warriors that there would come a day, it was shared to the press in 1986 for the first time by a man from the Cree nation. And he said that one day the world would come to the state that it is today, the rivers would be dying, the seas would be empty of fish, the forests would be burning. And then the new people would arise and they would join together as one tribe, putting aside their creeds, their colors, their races, and they would move around the earth like a great swirling rainbow. 
bringing peace, understanding, and healing wherever they went. And in that day, the earth would come back to balance, and many species that were extinct would come back to life. And I don't know if you saw, but this year, many animals that hadn't been seen in over 100 years that were considered extinct have been found. So this is the time of prophecy. This is the time to come together. And all the others know that. So I have full body shivers this whole time you were talking. I've never experienced anything like this in my life. This is crazy. I'm feeling those energetic vibrations and portals that you mentioned. It's insane. Yeah, and I read recently as well that on those exact dates from the 5th to the 9th, which I couldn't believe, but I could, it all made sense. Apparently, the universe is going to be receiving a lot of etheric codes and downloads on those exact dates. So I'm sure the portal they're going to open is going to help us get even more charged up. <laughs> wow. 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 I'm so moved and excited and honored to be part of this. Oh, okay. <laughs> Me too. So another topic <laughs> I wanted to cover before we wrap up is technology and social media. What, how, what role is it playing in you being this bridge for that ancient wisdom? I mean, I really dream of the day that I won't have to use a computer anymore. But for now, <laughs> for now, this is how we connect people. You know, this is how we spread our message. We post videos of the elders. We are building a website as well that is going to be for the elders to share their message online. So we're going to have documentaries. We're going to have articles. We're going to have all of the things they share in Aniwa Gathering. We're going to make available online to an extent that they feel comfortable with. Of course, they are going to guide us on that. But media is the most powerful tool for us to spread awareness. No, Things go viral nowadays and people find out about things they had no idea off no so through listening to a chant so many people reached out to us because they saw a video of an elder chanting or an elder saying something that touched them and they ended up coming to our works to our retreats so it's beautiful one girl the last retreat we had a girl that hashtagged sacred ceremony on instagram and she found us so you know it's beautiful how internet connects people and can be a very very powerful tool when used correctly Mm, I completely agree with you. I really think that technology of internet, social media itself is neutral and it's all about the intention that we bring to it and how we connect with it and what seeds we plant and what we attract because we have full control of the world that we create in our social media feeds. And it's amazing that by clicking a hashtag, someone can find this gathering and appear there and be completely transformed. Absolutely. I think anything can be poison or medicine. It's just the way we steward it. Right. So something that I know from experience is that elders can be sensitive. You know, like you said, you're going to be sharing materials from them and of them to the point where they feel comfortable. I know that in a lot of traditions, most traditions really, cameras and recording is not allowed when it's actually go time with ceremony. So how are you finding balance between really capturing that energy, those portals you're talking about to share it online? And do you believe that that energy gets transmuted and translated when you share those images and those songs online? Yes, I believe that absolutely. Some elders, some ceremonies, we're allowed to film others, we're not. And many elders acknowledge the importance of media nowadays to share their message. Many elders want to be filmed and shared. However, they really, really trust us. And they really trust that we'll only share things with their approval. And I think it's because a lot of people simply steal their sacred songs, steal their sacred ceremonies and put them online. And then they see people misusing them. Also, a lot of these songs are invoking certain energies that if you don't know what you're singing, you may even cause damage in, in certain situations. You know, there are songs that only the pajas, the master shamans can sing, that call in certain spirits that if someone doesn't have that dominium, can come into the person's body and shut it down. So there, is, there are many different aspects of it. And there are some elders that feel more comfortable with this than others as well. And, you know, I think also there is a lot of that of some elders are really afraid that some people have been selling the sacred. Many people approach them to do movies, to do things and, and want to give nothing in exchange and simply use those elders images 
And so there's a lot of concern around that, but they really trust us because everything we do is with of their guidance. You know, Benke Pianco, he's the indigenous director of Aniwa. And everything we do, we go through them first. They guide us on how this can be done mm. in the proper way. Mm. Such an important reminder. You're right that a lot of these tools, they're very powerful tools. And that's why studying and honoring the traditions and surrounding yourself with teachers consistently and constantly nonstop is very important. Yes, absolutely. With all the projects in the foundation as well, we never tell them what to do or what they need. They tell us. So we work directly with the indigenous leaders to say what it is that they need in their community. How do they think they can benefit their people? And they tell us what the project is, and then we look for funds for it. So it's a beautiful symbiosis, which doesn't keep them captive, depending on charity, empowers them to create things for their community that that can be self-sustainable. And in return, sharing this wisdom with our society so it helps us how to be better stewards of the earth. Always, we believe in always needs to be a rolling, like uh, the energy always needs to be moving to both directions, not just one way. We can't just be expecting these people to give us everything for free. All of their teachings are of their lifetime of studies without us giving anything back. And so a lot of people say to us, oh, Aniwa should be free. You know, some people say, oh, why are you guys charging for this gathering? And and then Ben Kipianko himself wrote a post and he said, how do you guys think we travel all the way from the Amazon (laughs) to America by foot? You know, how do you think we can produce an event this big? Like the event is non-profit, you know, we don't make any money from it. But of course, there are costs involved that we need to also, also honor. That's so awesome that Benki is so connected. Sounds like he is connected on social media, you know, really open to those new ways of communicating, spreading wisdom. Yeah, their prophecy says that they have an ancient prophecy that it would come a day that they would need to guide the world. They would need to share all of their knowledge to guide people. And so Bank is all for media when used in the right way. He's done in documentaries. He's, Chris Nunes is producing a documentary about Benki now, currently, a new one. There is a book being written mm. with his story. And when you say using media rights, do you know if he has like any specific guidelines or it's more of a feeling sense? <laughs> He just walked in here, actually. That is crazy. I was just thinking, wouldn't it be cool to get him on the podcast to explain his point of view on this? Would you, would you like him to come in? Or? I would love that. Yes. Ela está perguntando o que você acha sobre mídia. Pode usar a mídia de uma maneira correta, honrando as ensinanças indígenas. Eu vejo que hoje a mídia ela tem é, uma possibilidade de expansão de, de comunicação muito importante para a sociedade, para o mundo. Media has a capacity of expanding information, which is of great importance to the world. Que ela seja passada de uma maneira correta, né, em cima daquilo que os povos indígenas hoje recomendam em, su- em, em suas visões, em seus é, é, planos também de defesa à terra. It can be of great importance when used correctly, sharing the visions that the indigenous people have for the earth. E qual é a maneira mais correta de explorar os recursos naturais de uma maneira que não seja tão agressiva e que seja utilizada para os bens da sobrevivência dos povos, né? Of how we can explore natural resources in, in a manner that is not aggressive to the earth, that is mainly for survival of all people. E eu vejo que hoje a possibilidade que nós temos de poder levar essa mensagem para o mundo é a gente explorar mais essas, essa, os conhecimentos dos povos indígenas para que a gente possa também ter força de palavra né, perante o mundo através dessas mídias. So I think today the media should explore more the wisdom of indigenous people so their word can reach more people. Porque hoje tem muita gente querendo saber sobre os, o, o que passa nos territórios indígenas, o que passa né, onde os povos indígenas vivem mas tem, a gente tem muito poucas mídias que realmente se comprometam com esses compromissos, né? Também de poder estar tá informando a sociedade com esses problemas que hoje atingem diretamente o planeta Terra da maneira que é explorado os, os recursos, né? A lot of people are interested to know what's happening on indigenous lands, but very few, very few media channels 
make a commitment to inform people of what's really happening down there in the forest and in their indigenous land territories. E o nosso diálogo entre as organizações, as ONGs, os, os governos, né? De que maneira também a gente pode alcançar também através da mídia a, a esses governantes de país, né? Para que eles possam também realmente fazer reflexões sobre isso que eles hoje vêm fazendo perante os seus empreendimentos, né, que hoje são postos para o desenvolvimento dos países, né? And also to open a dialogue between us and NGOs and also governors, leaders of state and all of the developments and that they are doing for their countries. Eu acredito que hoje a gente está num momento muito oportuno né, de poder passar essa mensagem, porque a gente sabe que não é só os povos indígenas, a gente sabe que tem aí milhões de pessoas sendo atingidas no mundo por conta das mudanças climáticas, e isso tem uma possibilidade grande através das mídias, né? We are in a very good time for media right now, because it's not only the indigenous people, but millions and millions of people are being affected by the climate change all over the world. Thank you so much, obrigada. What a manifestation. <laughs> Thank you, Benki. <laughs> This was crazy. Wow. So... Just walked in my help with something. I was like, okay, come here. That's crazy. Okay, so wrapping up, so grateful. This was such a magical moment because I was just sitting there thinking, oh, I wonder what he thinks about this. Wow. Okay, just proof of everything we just talked about. So... To wrap <laughs> things up, what are the best ways to connect with you and to connect with Aniwa and to support this work that you're doing? Absolutely. Yeah, Benk, he, he has that. He always answers <laughs> a question before it's asked. It's, it's, uh, it's something he does quite frequently. The best way to connect to Aniwa, we have a page, www.aniwa.co. There you can see the program, the elders participating, the travel details, And also there's a donation page if anybody would like to support, if anybody cannot come but would like to support. We just bought 4,000 acres of land in the Amazon for Banky to reforest. We're working on a lot of environmental projects. We're doing a, a community project for the Lakota and for different Native American tribes in the Black Hills in America. So there's a lot going on and people can send us an email if they want to hear more as well at info at aniwa.co and just follow us on Instagram and we always have many retreats happening so you can put themselves in the mailing list and be informed. <laughs> yes. So is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you'd like to share, Vivian? Mm, not that I can think of. The main thing really is getting people to Aniwa. <laughs> and if you're listening to this past the event then you can still go to the website and see some of the materials you're talking about right yes Vivian? okay perfect thank you so much for this conversation thank you for what you're doing and i'll see you at anima thank you so much i look forward to meeting you there if you enjoyed the show please share it with your friends leave a review and find all the show notes on woke and And connect with me on Instagram at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and have an incredible day.